you know, as I'm as, as we're talking about what, what advice I have for other people, I'm taking notes about the advice I'm going to follow for myself. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Probcast. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about negotiating your life, and we're going to be doing that with none other than Mr. Professor Andrew Hubert. So Andrew was actually a professor of mine back when I was in business school. He taught um, international negotiations, does work primarily in Asia, and will be joining us from Vietnam. And so I'm very, very excited to have this conversation with you all. We talk about negotiations, using methodology and framework, and kind of applying that to the idea of negotiating with your life, uh, which is a very interesting time to do it because as we're speaking, um, Andrew's actually going through some changes himself, and so we'll kind of get to hear a bit of that and where he plans on going next. Uh, We also talk a bit about online education, kind of some of our own experiences, and really a great conversation on goal setting. So I'm very, very excited. And before we jump right in, I just wanted to give a shout out to Maria Angel Ferrero. Um, Thank you for your comment on our advice blog. Um, She commented, very interesting piece. I find your podcast and blog great. Keep up the hard work, exclamation point. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, We are glad that you guys are loving the content. You know, we really are doing it it for you all. Um, Feel free to share it with your friends. Share it with someone who might find it useful, interesting, ping us some comments, tweet us, follow our Instagram, you know, all the good stuff. And of course, tune into our podcast and advice blog. All that housekeeping stuff aside, let's jump right in to negotiating your life. Let's start by talking about goals. <laughs> um, you know, that was a big part of the course and it's a big part of what I tell my, my clients and, and tell myself. Uh, good negotiating is about good goal setting. You have to know what you want. You have to know what a win looks like. Mm-hmm. And that's forward looking. It doesn't work if you judged it by what happened in, in 2018. And a lot of us are doing that. A lot of us, you know, a lot of us in general, especially people of my advanced age, uh, tend to do that. We tend to look back at what, we, you know, our best moments and try to recreate that. And that's not a good way of doing things. So the first uh, thing you've got to do if you want to negotiate with life is um, set your goals and think about your goals. Think about what you want, where you want to be in a year, but more importantly, in five years. Give yourself a little bit of time and set the goals yourself and set them as though you are a blank page. Um, don't, Don't carry too much baggage into your goal setting. I know it's an easy thing to say, but it, and it's, it's extremely difficult in real life. And it's been difficult for me. That's one of the reasons I'm going through my, my little changes, my huge changes. Um, because if you are um, working off an old set of goals uh, or you're not re-examining your goals carefully, um, you, you, you have no win. You're uh, right. You're looking, you know, you're trying to navigate the the, the dark and stormy seas um, based on where the North Star was six months ago. And that just doesn't help you. So set new goals um, below what they've already got. You know, if you've got a stable situation, if you've got a support network, uh, if you're in a place where you are, are comfortable, don't give that up for an uncertain future. Uh, unless you understand what the risks are and you're, and you're willing to take them. Don't find yourself accidentally in a worse position than what you were before you started thinking about it, before you started the negotiating process. And a lot of people do that, especially your demographic, especially young people, um, because they are A, way overconfident sometimes, but B, sometimes they don't take, they don't give themselves enough credit. They don't think that they have the capacity to learn new skills or to change. So uh, if you want to apply our negotiating analogy to to career development and to life decisions, that's what I would say first. Set set limits in a positive way. Set your upper limit, what you really want to happen, uh, what's really feasible, and aim high. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be feasible in the next 15 minutes. What can you do in the next five years? In the next five years, you can get a degree, you can learn a language, you can uh, meet someone, you could meet life partners, but also business partners, you can relocate. 
Um, you can get healthy. Uh, you can break habits. There's a lot you can do in five years. Don't be constrained by where you are right now. But also understand your, your bottom line. Understand when you stand up and say, no, I'm not going to, you know, what, what I've got now is better uh, than, than the, the options uh, that we're discussing. So I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to stay at the table. Stand up and I don't want to say walk away. If we're, if we're using the analogy that we're negotiating in life, I don't want to say walk away, but know what you've already got. Uh, and that, that's the idea of the, uh, the best alternative or the plan B. Um, there, there are, I, I've seen people negotiate below, devote a lot of your attention to setting good goals, whether you are negotiating with someone else or you're negotiating with life or you're trying to just make a, uh, some, some career or life decisions. Uh, it all comes, if you don't have good goals, you're not going to have a good outcome. Yeah. If you exactly. have good goals, it doesn't guarantee you anything, but, um, I'm working with some young people here in Vietnam who have, you know, a lot of great potential, but they are letting other people set their goals, they're letting parents, or they're letting, um, the, the peer group, or they're letting the, the media set their goals and set their standards for them. And I would say, especially if you're young, that is a very dangerous place to be. Don't ever allow your, anyone else, especially your counterparty to set the goals for you. Uh, if you control, you, you know, build your own agenda using the, the language from our course. You've got to build your own agenda. Uh, that means what you are, um, what you're aiming for, what a win is, what you want in the short term from this counterparty, from this mm -hmm. the, the, the person or from life, and uh, what's your bottom line? And then, so kind of going back to kind of the whole thing. So you have your goal and then you have your objectives, right? So in, in, I guess, you know, your goal is kind of like your, your, your why, right? It's very like big, arbitrary, like we want to be number one in, you know, like let's say we want to be the number one podcast in the world, right? The podcast. Mm -hmm. And then kind of our objectives would be a bit more like using the SMART goals, right? So it's like specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-driven, right? Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. So you start out with the goal. The goal is where you want to be. Mm -hmm. The goal moves you forward, whether it's in life, in business, in school. Uh, the goal is, you know, in X number of years, in five years, I want to be the number one podcast or... Uh, I want to have um, a, a, a business that creates educational tools mm -hmm. that has 200 clients, or I want to be uh, on my way to becoming a doctor or a lawyer. So the goal is about the movement. That's the strategy. Then the next step is to look at the objectives, which is what are the pieces of what, how do I cut that down into manageable pieces? And what pieces do I want from the people I'm you know, sitting across from or on the other end of, of Zoom? And what do I want from the people that I'm dealing with now? And what am I willing to give them? So think of uh, your goal as, as a, a painting or as a picture. You're now, and now, now we're turning it into a puzzle. So we're taking your, your image of your, where you want to be in five years, and we're turning it into a puzzle. And we're looking at how am I going to assemble each one of these pieces? Each piece is an objective or a variable. So all together in the right order, it's it, the image you have of your perfect goal. But you're not going to be able to negotiate your entire goal at one time. If you can, then there's, you're, not, you're not aiming high enough. You should be putting the pieces together uh, over time through different negotiations, different interactions, different efforts. And that's giving you the pieces you need. Those are the objectives that you, you should set for yourself. The goal should be slightly unreasonable. The objectives are not. The objectives are the skills and the relationships and the transactions that you can achieve in the short term. And that's where negotiation really takes place. So the first thing you're going to do is set your goal. The second thing is you're going to focus on is your methods. And the methods is how you achieve those goals. The methods and the tactics are the activities you perform now that are realistic to meet this goal that should be slightly unrealistic. And okay. that's, how you, that's how you negotiate with life. Okay, so what would kind of be some, some of those objectives, right? Let's take the example of someone, they just graduated high school, let's say 
for simplicity's sake, they they want to become a lawyer, right? That's like their that's their goal. That's that. So how would you break that down into objectives? The first thing I would look at is what kind of lawyer do they want to be? Just having a label is a a troublesome goal. I would want to know what situation do they see themselves in in three years or in five years? Are they a litigator? Are they uh, working for an NGO? Are they making money? Are they in it for the money, which is a fine goal? Well, it's not a fine goal, but it's a valid goal. Uh, Are they doing international work? You know, those are the things I would, uh, that, you know, if someone came to me, if a high school student said, I want to be a lawyer, I would say, fantastic. Now let's talk about what are the activities you're doing? What are the accomplishments you're going to have after five years? And that's going to flesh out this, this, this picture, this avatar of the five year from now them or the three year from now them. And that's going to help them set better, you know, start to set better goals. Uh, what skills do they need to acquire? And I'd be looking at those at, at the the body of skills that they can be um, a building now. What kind of relationships are they going to need? What kind of relationships do they already have? If their mm-hmm. parents are lawyers and they're they're well off, they may have a lot of great connections that they don't think of as professional resources, but maybe they have that. Uh, if they don't have that, how are they going to reach that? So in the short term, you know, if someone came to me and said, what are, how do I become a successful lawyer? I'd say, okay, first let's define success. Let's define it in terms of you and also in terms of the professional world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's say they want to be an international lawyer doing um, copyright stuff in in Hollywood. Okay, that's a sexy, uh, but realistic profession that a lot of young people have. Say, fine. So what kind of skills are you going to need? What kind of connections are you going to need? And what kind of professional accomplishments are you going to have to achieve in order to reach that goal? And those are things that we can start, you know, we call it chunking, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not my phrase, it's other people's phrase. But when you have a big goal, you break it up into manageable chunks. So do they need to get into law school? Do they need to get some job experience? Do they need to build uh, any uh, skills like language skills or uh, professional skills? Uh, do they need to build a network? Do they understand? Do they, at this point, maybe they've encountered a lot of questions saying, well, I don't really know what, what's involved in this. I don't really know what you mean when you say connections and relationships. Like, Great, that's good. Let's step back and look at that. And let's focus on you know, knowing what you don't know is actually a huge step forward. And that's something young people sometimes don't understand as well as they need to. So knowing what you don't know, uh, knowing where the holes in your knowledge are, uh, is a great positive step because now you have the tools to go and fill those, those gaps. So that's um, one, of the, one of the ways I would talk to the young uh, potential lawyer who is out of high school, but not quite um, applying to, to undergraduate or applying to law schools yet. Um, build, your, build up your knowledge, uh, get a better picture of where you are, where you wanna be, what the successful you looks mm-hmm. like in five years or in 10 years. So a key that I use with, a, a tool that I use with, with real life clients uh, is when I used to see them face to face is, okay, it's, we're, we're going into this new business. You want to start a business in, an, in a new country where you've never really worked before. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do this. It is three years from now. It is November 16th, 2023. And we're back here and I have a bottle of champagne in my, in my hand and we're celebrating. We're celebrating what a great success you've been in this project. Mm-hmm. What happened? How did we get here? Where are we and how did we get here? So have your, you know, one of the things I, I uh, would, would counsel you to have your, your young listeners do is envision yourself as a success. You know, you've, you've, you've won, you've made it. It's five years from now or it's seven years from now. A, where are you? And, you know, I, I don't, I'm not looking for like the MTV crib. Do they still do MTV cribs? I mean, they, they, I honestly have no know idea. What it is? No, I know what it oh, is. No. I know what it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, well, I, it doesn't have to be like a, a uh, an idealized um, rap video. But 
you know, realistically, where do you see yourself in five years? What do you like doing? Are you solving problems? Are you jetting around the world? Are you um, the, you know, the, the freelancer uh, with, with a lot of freedom? Or are you the big boss who's got people around you? Any one of those is fine as long as it makes sense for your career and for your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that's what you've got to, you know, get that picture in your head first and then work backwards professionally, personally, spiritually, skill-wise, how did you get, or how do you draw a map from where you are now to that place? And those are your objectives. You know, being the big boss in five years is the the strategic goal. Mm -hmm. And each step that it takes to get to that point should be your your, uh, objectives or your tactics. Okay, no, that, that definitely makes sense. And then, so I guess kind of the, the follow-up to that is, all right, well, what, what if, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, you know, things hit the fan, right? <laughs> what, what do they do? What's... Okay, that's where BATNA or best alternative or bottom line comes in. So what I ask my, my um, expensive clients to do is set that goal, number one, but number two, look at where you are and what you can do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your skills? What are your connections? And young people are great at totally being at being totally oblivious to their own connections and their own skills right now. Uh, so, so look at that. Who do you know? Who are you involved with? Uh, who, who do your parents know? What can you do? And what do you have the capacity to learn that will will that that forms the basis of your bottom line? Uh, so that you don't have to make bad decisions. Uh, if you've got money in the bank or if your parents have money set aside for university, this is a good time to do a value check and make sure that you can get the most out of it. There was a time when going to university was not um, you know, a, a, a one-time life decision that could make or break you. Uh, it didn't always used to cost a quarter million dollars to get a four-year degree. Now it does. Uh, you didn't have to put your life at risk to get on an airplane and, and go to a, a super spreading location. Now, maybe you do. So step back and, and, and assess your resources in, a, you know, in terms of your own skills, your own finances, your own uh, connections. Uh, and so before you put yourself deep in debt for a degree that may or may not you know, be really what you want, look at what you can do right now. And that should set your bottom line. Uh, if you can, you know, if you have the ability to live at home and, and get a, a nice job and take online courses and do some networking and, and work on some projects now before you take this plunge uh, in this weird situation we live in now in 2020, that might be a good way to establish your bottom line. Uh, your best alternative to no agreement. If you're 100% sure on what school you want to go to and what you need to do to get there, yeah, go for it. Go for it. The world doesn't change that much. It's still a good idea. I'm still way in favor of getting getting degrees. But the idea that you have to have a degree by the time you're 21 and be in law school and graduate law school by the time you're 23 and get your first corporate job by the time you're 24 that's starting to look a little bit outdated. So one of the ideas of having a best alternative, having a BATNA is flexibility is on your side now. Once you're $150,000 in debt, you are much less flexible. You have, you have way fewer options. Um, and the same goes, you know, putting your, you know, taking $150,000 from your parents' bank account. Again, that, that once before you do that, you have a lot of options. Once that's done, it's done. Uh, so people who are looking at your resume in the near future will have a lot more respect for an 18 or 19 year old who you know, tried a couple of things. Maybe they didn't all work out, but they tried some things and they took measured steps. Uh, or tried something nutty that didn't put them $100,000 in debt. People will have a lot of sympathy and a lot of respect for that three years from now. But if you're sitting across the table from someone and you are 
100 or $150,000 in the hole, and you can't explain why you have the degree you have, that you thought having being an English major would be a great idea, but now it, it doesn't apply to what you want to do in life. That's it. Not only are you, do you have fewer options, but you have, um, you have a, 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 a worse story to tell than had you made better choices. So sometimes the best choice to make is to not make a choice. And for if, if I were 18 years old, if I could tell my former 18 year old self uh, about options and about choices, um, taking some time might've been a better option. Um, to, trying some different things might have been a better option. And when I went to school, it was a much lower stakes proposition. I, I graduated $20,000 in debt and I thought that was the, all the money in the world. And I'm hearing about students now graduating uh, deep in the hole. Oh, yeah. That is gonna... It's wild, it's, yeah. Yeah, and that's gonna limit your options going forward. So think about your fallback options, think about your best alternative to no agreement uh, or your, your plan B. Or your uh, best alternative, uh, and not making a big decision might be part of your best alternative. Yeah, and I think kind of one thing that I feel like people forget with their best alternatives is that they can always work to improve them, right? You know what I mean? Like, let's say, yes, you know a whole bunch of people, right? And you're like, oh, I don't know if I can get a job. We'll just ask. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. ask people around. There's somebody who knows something that's going on that it might not be a good fit but hey at least you you know but it might be and i feel like it might be it might lead to something <laughs> also look at the skills you want to build there are all sorts of uh, uh of weird online tests that uh, have you assess your skills so look at look at your skills and, it, and this may be a great time to add a skill uh if you're not a numbers person you should at least be literate about coding and about machine learning and um, you know all the new technologies. You don't have to do it, but you have to know about it. Uh, if you, you know, speak entry-level Spanish, this is a great time to boost those skills. Uh, you can do that online very, you know, for, for free or very cheaply. Uh, give back if you've never, you know, if you're looking at your, uh, at your psychic resume and you haven't really done anything to help other people, this is a good time to see if there are opportunities to, to do something for someone else potentially. You can add to your resume in meaningful ways, or you could just do research and, and take the time to learn uh, and do a couple of, of research projects that will help you to at least um, be smarter uh, about the decisions you make. Uh, you know, it's not always the same thing as making better decisions, but you should be informed. I keep talking to young people who say, I don't know what I want to do, or I know what I want to do, but I don't know what it's called, or I don't know who does it, or my parents want me to go into sales, which is just a dreadful thing to hear from a 19-year-old, that your parents want you to go into corporate business-to-business -business sales. And um, I'm hearing it. And it would be better if you were more informed or if that person were more informed about their options. No, completely agreed. And I think, you know, it's the funnier thing is that I was reading this report or like, you know, a lot of people have been talking about jobs of the future and they're like, you know, most of the jobs of the future, we don't know what they are because they haven't been created yet, but we know it's going to be drastically different than what's here now. So it's also just like, there's a certain level of just uncertainty of like, what's going on you know what I mean in the job market and like what will or will not be here so I feel like it's it's definitely an interesting time in, in that sense so I feel like it'll be a lot of people who can spot opportunities that are kind of like maybe a bit more mm -hmm. interesting that'll actually be the ones who become successful you know what I mean um but well, that's and again I'm in Asia so it's like it's I'm in Asia, so it's slightly different than the demographic your, your, your listeners are from. But out here, one of the big challenges is critical thinking, mm -hmm. uh, creative problem solving and decision making. And in my day, these were not considered real things. Um, but 
critical thinking is going to play a huge role going forward because it's one of the few things that we are going to do better than the algorithms. Um, the algorithms are going to put a lot of us out of work, including a lot of lawyers, including a lot of people like me, mm -hmm. consultants and professors. Um, so if you want to prepare for a job for the future, look at critical thinking, look at leadership, decision-making, communication skills, and relationship building skills, you know, partnership building, because those are the things that the uh, AI won't be able to do or won't be able to do well. So if you want to future-proof your, your career set and you're in high school, I would look and make sure that that short list of five families of skills, uh, decision, uh, critical thinking uh, and decision, critical thinking and problem solving, leadership and teamwork, um, uh, decision-making, uh, relationship building, and anything cross-culture. I may have changed that list slightly, but that's the basic idea. All the stuff that the machines can't do. No, I sound okay. like in, in the okay. Terminator, but the, this is your survive. This is, this is how you'll survive. <laughs> Follow me if you want to live. This is how you'll survive, young Connor. Um, build the skills that you know, that you, you know are not going to be obsolete in five years. No, completely agreed. And then kind of within that, you know, jumping back, you know, so you kind of got, we've now got, let's say a bit of an idea of what our goals are, objectives. We kind of have an idea of what our bat is. We can kind of work on improving it throughout um, to, to really see there. And then let's say we're like, okay, we're like, all right, world life, let's, let's sit down. Let's explore the possibilities, right? So what's kind of that whole matrix going to look like, right? I know we kind of brought up um, and one of the examples we you brought up, oh, like in Hollywood, right? And I was thinking like geography and location would be one thing that I would be keen to have on my own matrix of like where I would like to be, you know. So what would be- right, well, Let's back up a little bit and tell people what you mean. You're just saying matrix a lot. So let's just back up and tell people what you mean. Um, once we have our goals and then we have our bottom line, mm -hmm. there's a lot of um, movement that goes on in the middle. So what I ask people to do is to, to pick three to five key variables that will help them hit that goal. And so if you wanna be a lawyer, um, it's, if you're in high school and you wanna be a lawyer, uh, one is gonna be a cluster of, of um, variables is gonna be getting into law school uh, and choosing a major. Uh, the second, let's say skill, professional skills that you wanna build right now. And the third might be connections and network. And then what you'd like to have, and then I want you to quantify it. So this is where the smart comes in. I ask you to make your goals uh, specific, measurable, um, attainable, realistic, and timed. So within the next year, what can we do that's specific and measurable in terms of applying to law school, in terms of building professional skills, and in terms of uh, building relationship or building a network? So for the first one, for getting into law school, I do the research on who's got the programs you want and who you can afford and how you're going to start working on They still do LSATs, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they're still doing it. Okay, so, so work on all the, the, the plain vanilla stuff you have to do uh, to um, you know, really make the most out of, out of law school, especially if you've got to go through undergrad first. Uh, how to, you know, if you, your L, which you'd like to get at the top of the list, would be joining LinkedIn and having, you know, being in five groups and having 500 or 300 uh, valuable contacts, uh, getting an internship, or um, again, doing, doing, joining some online group uh, where you're interacting with others. That would be your L, your highest. Your intermediate would be setting up a uh, a, a LinkedIn profile and starting a pod. Actually, the podcast would be in the podcast in, would be up higher. Podcast with a podcast with you know a, a million uh, a million likes or a million follows. Your intermediate would be the LinkedIn group, the online presence, uh, and the podcast with a more reasonable number. And then the need or no deal would be a link, you know, an online presence with this much, you know, with this sort of interactivity, this many followers. And if you can't get that, maybe we have to reassess. So that's a way of moving forward towards your goal in a measured, organized way that 
respects the ambition of your big goal, but is also more reasonable and allows you to start to build skills step by step. So building that matrix, uh, the, the three variables, variable one, variable two, variable three, or in life terms, it might be category one, category two, category three, and then what you would like to get in, a best, in, the, in a, the best of all possible worlds, what the intermediate or what you intend to get and what you need to achieve, or you've got to reassess your goals. If you can't hit your bottom line need level, then you are in BATNA territory. You're in best alternative ter territory. And best alternative is really, you don't want best alternative. Best alternative is another way of saying uh, least worst option. So yeah, maybe you are living at home, uh, working at, um, you know, working at the mall and um, a set, you know, building, and, building, and, uh, building skills or saving money or looking at another, uh, you know, looking at another plan. But this gives you, this method gives you the ability to set high goals and then move towards it in a measured way. Okay. And like, let's say, you know, let's kind of go worst case right now where do you go there? You're like, you're not really hitting your bottom line and you could, you know, and you're like, okay, I have to take my bat and I have to walk away from this table. You know what I mean? Like maybe not now. So what would you advise somebody who's kind of in that situation, you know, where they're, they're there, maybe they're like thinking about taking their bat now, but they're just like, you know, they're like, no, no, I'm going to go below it. Like what's, what's your advice? If, you, if you're not hitting your end, if you've got your strategic, your, your tactical mm -hmm. matrix and you're not hitting your bottom line, you've tried and it's not happening. Mm -hmm. You have got to reassess. It's time to set new goals. It's time to re-examine your goal set, which is not necessarily, it's A, there's no shame involved. Uh, there's, it's, there's no fault involved. This is a value, a, a value judgment-free process. And I'll be honest, I'm doing it now for other reasons, but I, I'm in the process of re-goaling. And I'm looking at it as a very positive thing. Uh, you do a skills assessment. You decide what you what you can do, what you've done that's successful, and what you what you can do that will be that will add to your success in the future. You build skills where you you need to, uh, and it could be you know fun and basic. Look for those three years programs or those joint programs if you're in a hurry. Uh, if you're not in a hurry, you know look look at what else you care about. But begin doing all the prep work for the, for school. Um, so what you'd like to do is score X on your LSAT by this time or get into this undergrad. Your intermediate would be a low, slightly lower score, uh, more reasonable goals. And then your bottom line, if you can't get into this school or you can't get these scores or you can't save this much, look for something, you know, you're, you're going to BATNA. You're going to your best alternative. You may have to work for a year longer. You may have to do something else. Uh, your second, um, your second uh, set of skills, or your, your second um, uh, tactic or variable, what do we say? Um, professional skills. Connections was one of them. Let's do connections last. Okay. Uh, so let's do skills. So what are the skills you need? Uh, check out what's available on YouTube for free, or on Coursera, or edX, or uh, the TED Talks, or the LinkedIn. Look for online programs or local programs uh, and pick two or three skills that you would like certification in now that would, or within a year. That would be your L. Your I would be a slightly less ambitious. Your N, you need this or there's no, uh, or th there's no chance of uh, going forward would be to have basic competency in a couple, of, uh, a couple of minor skills. If you can't do that, then maybe you should reassess. And then your third set would be the, um, the relationship and the network. Uh, and you do research on, you know, you, you do research on either ways of modifying your goal or ways of forming a new goal based on the skills that, and the, your skills and interests. Don't hold on to you, don't hold on to a goal that you're not going to hit and let it, you know, drag you down under, underwater. And underwater is when you are below your end level. So it's important to assess your goals and break them down. Look at the three or four key tactics or key categories that you mm -hmm. care about. 
And if you look at the, if you want to be a lawyer and it just looks like there's no way you're going to swing college at this point due to finance or due to grades or due to a family situation, you might want to reassess your goals and look at what it was about international law or, or copyright, you know, Hollywood entertainment law that, that you liked and find another way to approach that. You might be able to um, still be successful in the things you care about, just taking a different path. Uh, decide if it's a temporary setback or if it's, it, it's long-term and decide if it's environmental or if it's you, because the environment made you. I was a China expert up until a year ago up until 2017, I was a viable China expert. And now that's just not a thing. Uh, it's, a, it's become a much narrower, um, a much narrower, through no mistake or action or decision of my own. Uh, and the, um, you know, the, the reality on the ground is I have to make some hard decisions. Uh, I can, hang around, I can continue to bounce around Southeast Asia where I am now and not ever achieve the same, the same level of success, I think. Or uh, I can adjust my goals and move closer to home where I wanna be for other reasons. And um, not start over again, but it's, 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 it's a circle. So you're gonna set your goals, you're going to, um, develop a, a tactical matrix or plan. You're gonna take your shot and then you're gonna set new goals. And you'll set new goals whether you succeed or whether you fail. Sometimes because you've decided, you've learned from this process and you've made different decisions, which happens a lot. And sometimes uh, because you took your best shot and it didn't work out. There are no values, value judgments here. Setting, re-goaling, setting new goals is always part of the process. Whether you hit it big, you just survive or you fail, you're always setting new goals. Uh, and people who don't set new goals are the ones that uh, find themselves very unhappy with options. Yeah, and I think there's also one important thing to remember. There's a lot of tables out there, right? So I think if, if you're at a table and it's not working, you can always go find a new table where you might have better luck negotiating. I think we're having internet. Connectivity issues. Oh yeah. Wait, say, say that again. They're in, the internet gave us trouble. Oh yeah. No. So I was saying, um, well, I feel like one important thing to remember is that a key, you know, usually you know, you'll negotiate on the table, right? And there's a lot of tables in the world. So maybe the table you're at is a little rickety, a little broken, but you can go find some better tables to find some better deals at. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't speaking about it. But you were saying picking in the right county or picking the right picking the right counterparty or picking the right forum for negotiation is is challenge number one. You've got to make sure you're negotiating for the right thing with the right person. If you're not, pick your butt up there, say thanks very much. It's not going to happen, and walk away. If that's your choice, that's a great choice. That's a win. Uh, well, the the only way to lose is to continue negotiating with someone not right for you. That's the one thing you should never do. Okay, so kind of- Yeah, I'm going through, as we're talking about giving advice about other people, I'm going through some changes of my own. Well, actually, what, and this is something I'd, I'd like to talk to your listeners about. Yeah. Um, I haven't changed, the world has changed around me. So the plans I had that were very sensible uh, yeah. two years ago, are now looking outdated and archaic. Um, you know, Asia, I, I used to settle, you know, help Westerners learn how to do business in Asia. Yeah. That was a big part of my negotiating practice. But there's just not that much need for it anymore. The Asians have figured it out. And the lessons that the West teaches, including the lessons you just learned in your, aren't as relevant in Asia as they, as they once were. So that means I'm not as relevant. Um, so like a lot of your listeners, I have two choices. Uh, I can reinvent the world around me or I can make adjustments to myself to fit in with the, the new realities. The new realities that you see shaping in the world around you. Well, I was a China expert. 
-hmm. Number one, I was a very expensive China expert and uh, we've gone another way with China. Uh, I've been based in Vietnam for a while and Vietnam is still on lockdown. So without an expat, without a, a, you know, a robust, uh, diverse expat presence, I am an interesting um, sideshow, but mm -hmm. um, you know, my methods don't really carry much weight here anymore. And um, I want to go, I want to be closer to my family. So uh, the world, you know, what was uh, a very mobile world two years ago is much less mobile. Mm -hmm. uh, a world that needed my a certain skills two years ago doesn't really need them as much anymore. Mm -hmm. And my needs have changed a little bit. And kind of going, going back to the whole idea of like goal setting, right? I feel like part of it's also just like, another way to look at it would be like finding your purpose or like finding your why, right? So it's like, and I feel like that's kind of like, that's honestly very hard for a lot of people. I mean, even myself. It's very hard. It's so hard. What's your yeah. why? Like what's, what's like your goal? I'm like curious to see, cause you've, you've had a bit more time than I have to figure it out. So putting you on a lot of my, my, well, a lot of my goals right now mm -hmm. are, um, you know, as I mentioned, I'm shifting away from my old career. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to transition back to um, North America. I'll probably end up in Mexico. I'm looking forward to ending up in Mexico. Because um, I, I, I have no health care, no health insurance. So, uh, and I like emerging markets. So Mexico has, has a lot for me. But um, for me, uh, I'm, I'm trying to address some of those issues that we just talked about with online education and make it more social and make it more inclusive. That's always been one of my problems with uh, what I do for a living. It's, mm -hmm. it's me standing in front of the room. And, you know, this is you, you are always one of my more engaged and engaging students, but this is still one of the longest conversations we've had just because of the format of mm -hmm. modern universities. You don't really get these you know, the two-way conversation. So I'm trying to build online programs that give the more access to the two-way and to the small group conversation. I think that's where the learning takes place. That's why I keep bringing it up. Uh, this is all I'm thinking about. Well, COVID really brought that out. Um, you know, I, a lot of the ideas I had were how to support, you know, face-to-face -face groups, group mm -hmm. work, uh, which universities are good at. But um, when, when COVID hit and we had the, uh, the lockdowns and we couldn't bring students together into a room, I think the quality of education really plummeted. And I don't think I'm alone in thinking that. So what I've been looking for is ways of, 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 of doing it without recreating uh, a virtual brick and mortar lecture hall. That's one of my big complaints about the world right now. Uh, we're using online systems to re mm -hmm. recreate face-to-face uh, -face analogs and there's no reason for that it, it's not effective and it, it's not a particularly good idea okay. should be we should be borrowing from things that work social media works online games work online mm -hmm. um, you know uh, asymmetrical communication works online and that's where we should be focusing that's where I'm focusing no, I love so it. Maybe, maybe, maybe we try an experiment with your your listenership at some point. And we oh, yeah. No. Try out one of my, my simulations. No, it sounds good. Again, yeah, I think that's kind of like one thing, like when I'm thinking about it right now, it's like with a lot of students and like COVID and like kind of going to university, right? Is it even the right decision, right? Like, you know what I mean? Is like kind of taking that that gap year or that break, you know what I mean? worthwhile and for me it's like yeah of course it is like you know here there's so much uncertainty around the world right now where that that makes sense you know to just take that extra time and just bite it you know and like do I don't know whatever you wanted to randomly do or were like semi-curious about and so or you can learn skills on your own there are great great facilities now great technology for learning stuff on your own oh and yeah. for having you know building your own your, your own experience one thing I'll say, the, the university experience, one of the, the big elements uh, that were, you know, one of the things that online education has taught us is mm -hmm. that it's the, the social aspect of, of university that was one of the most important. That students who met together in a room learned from each other. Students who go to school online 
a little bit less so. So there are ways of reproducing that social aspect without picking up and going you know, across the world and going to university or making a bad choice and going to a university close to home or going to an online university just for the sake of getting a degree, which quite frankly is not as important as it used to be. No, completely agreed on that. No, it's actually funny. So I was having this idea recently because I was thinking about that exact thing of like, what's like the real benefit of like school and learning? It's getting like, you know, all these people together. And this is completely a side tangent, but I figured I'm gonna run this idea by you while I have you here. And it's that, you know, you, you like that synergy, right? And I think that a lot of students this year aren't gonna learn as much because they're not in that same room, right? When I think about like my experiences in the classroom and when I didn't understand something, I would just literally go to the person sitting next to me and be like, dude, I don't get this at all. And they'd be mm -hmm. like, dude, I don't get it either. And then they'd ask the next person next to them and they'd be like, But that's I get where it. the learning comes from. That's where the real that's where the real growth comes from. It's not just looking it up in a book. And until we can reproduce it, I think we can reproduce it. That's what I'm working on. This is what I'm working on with my, my business. I'm trying to develop that in an online situation. Because when you look at gamers, mm -hmm. they have that same, you know, they're learning from each other and they're talking to each other and there's that fluid uh, social element. We don't get that from online. My last online experience, I had 70 people in the room. Mm -hmm. I was just taught, it was a podcast. This was not, when I worked with you, I was able to say, okay, I'm done talking. You, you know, all you, you groups go off, go on your own, figure this out and then report back that was almost completely lacking in online. When they say we don't, we're working on that. The technology is not quite there, but mm -hmm. uh, gamers seem to manage it because when I'm giving a lecture to my Vietnamese teenagers, they seem to find the online, uh, their online activities pretty engaging, a lot more engaging than what's going on in, in my classroom lectures. So I think that it, it is possible to find groups, to find ways online to engage with other people. And that should be the main priority. Yeah, that I came up with. Like just, this was literally like just yesterday because I was chatting with them. A couple, like some of our family friends, they did like a little outdoor picnic in the park, you know, obviously social distance mm -hmm. in a park. And they're just like, dude, I want to learn this, but like, I need a tutor for this. And I was like, I was like, man, maybe getting a one-on-one -on -one tutor would be somewhat helpful but i was like what if you tutored in teams right and so kind of like this mm -hmm. idea that i have right now it's an interesting like, idea yeah is that can you create like a whole tutoring in teams environment and mindset kind of similar to like you know that experience of me in the classroom going to the person next to me being like i don't get it to the person next to them being like i don't get it and then finally finding one person in our little group that's like an expert and is like will explain it to us five times so we get it like and being and doing that so it kind of like reinforces both parties where you have you know the student who's explaining it reinforcing their knowledge plus the students are actually finally getting at least the base level of what what that concept or understanding is and so that's kind of one idea tutoring in teams and that, that give and take tends to spawn new ideas and that's what's missing oh yeah it's, it's the give and take you, you bring in analogies you bring in your own experiences and that's where you're getting the real learning it's not from the lecture. And I'm a lecturer and I'm saying this, that's my bread and butter. And I'm saying the lecture is, is great for replicating mm -hmm. a, a book. And I love books. And I love lectures um, and TED Talks, which is sort of in the middle. They're, they're great tools, but the real learning comes from experience. And experience is just another way of saying what I did with the team. Yeah, you can have individual experiences, but usually your 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 the key transformative experiences are taking place with a group with other people. That's what's missing right now from online education, but it doesn't have to be. I think that um, people are engaging online. And playing like Call of Duty and like Warzone and like you know because you got like your whole team and squad that you're doing all this stuff. Yeah, and, like you know it's a very fluid communication because like you know exactly you you've got to kill the other team, so it's like. <laughs> And people are taking on roles. They are learning new from, from experiences. They're sharing ideas. They're trying out strategies. It's not that different from what we did in class. It's just quicker. Yeah, no. So I was just kind of kind of thinking about that when you, when you brought up the whole uh, game thing over there. I was like thinking also just like the people that I ended up randomly playing with are like wicked smart people. So it's just 
kind of kind of kind of cool in my opinion one of them's like an aerospace engineer and i'm like what mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah that's who that's who you want to engage with oh yeah oh yeah it's fun and you're just finding a common way of a common ground uh, uh, I, I usually am not a big fan of looking for common ground but you're finding a common forum for engaging and that's kind of what's missing right now mm -hmm. uh from online but from online education, but I think it is growing in other ways. And I think that's what we've, that's what, what the, just because, I mean, let's, let's flip this back to your, your listenership. Just because you're not finding that from traditional online courses doesn't mean it's not there. Uh, and if you can't engage in real life, uh, engage online somehow with, with the game, with the chat room, uh, with a project, um, learn a language, but the engagement is what's really missing from the, the COVID world. You know, I was in lockdown for 60 days here, uh, which was kind of a drag. <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, online kept me, kept me engaged, kept me going. Oh, yeah. And, and like, yeah, I think like that's the rule us, now, not the exception. Yeah, no, I think some of the video games like Among Us, their playership grew to like over 50 million or something. Yeah. Like, so I, I think a lot of people are looking for that. No, completely agreed. And I think kind of like one thing that I, because honestly, your class is one of my favorites, not going to lie. And I mean, I thought it was hilarious that in like the first day of a negotiations class, <laughs> we didn't reach a negotiation, an agreement. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Well, <laughs> I, I do remember. I, yeah, yours was my last live class. I do remember your class a lot. Or I remember a lot about your class. Yeah, I remember that. I remember your group. It was, but, but you, you, you changed. You got it. You change yeah. your orientation. Oh no. So and I thought I that that difference. was always, always fun. And like, even when I've been thinking about like how I approach different things afterwards, it's also a bit of it's from that negotiations perspective of like, okay, like what are all my options? Right. What are like kind good. of good for you, the objectives and kind of like the, the best alternative, you know, your BATNA, your best alternative to a negotiated agreement. And then also that whole idea of the matrix, right. Where it's like, what are your priorities? Right. And so kind of what I wanted to explore in this conversation was, you know, and I think this is a very like great time to do it, right? Because it's almost like you're negotiating mm -hmm. with life, right? You've got your own ideas of what, of what you want or what you see going on around you. And then everything kind of changes, right? So what are kind of like on your own matrix, I guess, what are like, you know, your ideal scenarios, what's kind of your intermediates, your needs, and then how has that changed? But also how do you do it with kind of, negotiating with life, right? Where you don't have as much of a say in what happens, but you also do have a say, if that makes sense.